Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Oh, Roger, live in Detroit. <laughs> Welcome to Tigers SRD here at MotorCityBangles.com and of course at SportsRadioDetroit.com. I am Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown and Youper. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, and Stitchler. Some big changes coming to the show, but again, can't say anything more than that at the moment. But uh, tonight, my two favorite guests out there. Uh, wow, yeah, the Angels. Uh, we're watching. We're going to be watching the live stream tonight. So if you want to join us and watch the game for a little bit while we do the show, you're more than welcome to. And my guests this evening are Michael and Chris from the Hey, it's I can never see Enrico Palazzo, Enrico Palazzo podcast, <laughs> and I always butcher that for whatever reason. But uh, Mike and Chris, every time we're on their show, we always have a good time. So it's my turn to return the favor. Welcome, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Hey, welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a lot of drops soon. You know. um, yeah. But uh, no, so we're gonna give us watch. our due, okay? Yeah, you know what? You're right. I mean, exactly. <laughs> what am I doing here? Give him his due. There we go. There it is. It's about there damn it time. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, at, at any rate, so tonight we're gonna be talking about the Tigers sweeping against the Royals. We're gonna be talking about a little bit about the the fact that here they are. AJ Hinch has been able to manage pretty much with a set of four A guys at the moment, and talk about the the last couple of weeks or so of Tigers baseball and what to expect against Matt Manning for Matt Manning against uh, Otani, who who's just been a beast doing it on the mound and at the plate. And so uh, Chris, we'll start with the sweep against Chris and you, I'll start with you guys in the sweep against the Royals. The Royals are reeling right now. They're not, they have not been playing. They've had a really rough last 23 game stretch. Oh, yeah, it's a bummer, but I mean, they did what they had to do, and, and I know the t- people fans are saying, "Well, they beat the Royals." Well, what else were they supposed to do? I mean, it's it again with the Tigers' injuries. It seems like it's every time a pitcher steps on the mound, something happens. Matt Boyd went down, and the Tigers had to set a record for most pitchers used in one game, nine in a game with nine, and it was Hinch bullpen management. But Chris, I'll start with you. I, you know, if they were playing any other team, I think they would have been screwed. They saw what they happened last week against the White Sox, but the Royals were the right, right place, right time. You're talking to Chris, me, right? Yeah, Chris Brown. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's basically we're going on five, six weeks now. We've talked about this. The Tigers are playing good baseball, adequate baseball, solid baseball, baseball we could be okay with uh, for a month or so. They're not the worst team in baseball. They were for the for April, but they're playing like 500 baseball now, and the Royals are not that good. So, you know, I didn't necessarily expect a sweep, especially if, you know, they have to use nine pitchers in one game. But, yeah, the Tigers, they've got some dog in them now. They're, they're fighting in games. When they get behind by three or four runs, it doesn't feel like an immediate loss like it used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's just uh, – it is kind of remarkable the overhaul and the offensive performance over the last five, six weeks where as before it was like, you know, they'd get like three hits and 16 strikeouts. And now they're, they're guys up there grinding out at bats, even guys you wouldn't necessarily expect doing it and uh, you know, working walks and taking the extra base. And it's been, it's been fun to watch and it's never, uh, never hard to, to watch a team sweep your uh, division rival. That was pretty fun. 
Yeah, and you know what, you uh, what about you? I mean, in terms of what you've been seeing the last week or so, I know with the, the Royals aren't the Royals blacked out by you, Upers or uh, Upers? Is that right? Yeah, they. I can't get them online, but I can I can get them through satellite if I if you have the uh, right package. So uh, I, I did watch the games on TV, but um, they've swept the Royals twice now. And you know when the Royals got off to that hot start, a lot of the um, let's say Twitter Tiger Nation that tends to be a little bit more pessimistic was really convinced that the Royals were well ahead of the Tigers in the rebuild process here in terms of contending again someday. I don't see that. Um, you know, the Royals have that great 2018 draft of pitchers. They, it looks solid on paper. Uh, they still have to evolve, obviously. And they have a nice top of the lineup with Merrifield and Sal Perez uh, and uh, Mondesi. But other than that, they've got some ratty-ass players in that lineup. I mean, there's some, <laughs> there's some real easy outs. Uh in the second half of that lineup. So you really can't tell me they're that much farther ahead of the Tigers. Uh, and the Tigers have shown it. They've swept them twice now this year. Um, this was a really good series. And the fact that what I really liked was two things. Uh, Mize and Scooble have seen the Royals a lot this year. I think it was Mize's fourth outing. Um, and neither one of them, I thought, was at their very, very best. But the good part about that is they both put up very competitive starts and kept their team right where you want your team to be, right near the lead and, and so on. And they won those games when they didn't when they didn't look as sharp as they've looked in other games, and the other team has seen them a lot. I thought that was a really nice little uh, uh, sign of growth for them. Uh, and then the other thing is the lineup is getting incrementally longer. You know, we ha- uh, the Tigers have fewer – easy outs right now. Uh, Willie Castro is having a good month of June. He's not an automatic out. Uh, he's doing some good things. Badu is, when he's in the lineup against the righty, he's extending the lineup. And we know Grossman's going to get on base. Uh, and there's a couple other guys. So, you know, in April, Give him his Badu! You could look at that lineup <laughs> and you could see five outs automatically one, every time through the order. <laughs> you know? And right now they're they're looking a little better than that, so it's kind of fun. Yeah, and, and what about you guys? I mean, you, I know you guys are covering the whole league. You guys are big fancy guys, so you have to cover the whole broader spectrum. But you, know, you guys are local, and you guys pay attention. You guys are. I mean, right now Michael has been the new words the, glocal. By the way, locals out, man. Glocal <laughs> is in. Local. Glocal. Yeah, come on. Like that global consciousness. All right. Well, okay. So we're glo- okay. Well. Either way, I mean, you're what, what West Side, East Side. Are you that, see that's the whole thing about Detroit sometimes too. When people say East Side, West Side, I say, well, "What city are you from?" Right. Say that now. I'll, it it's not the real easier. Detroit. It's yeah, I'm suburban Detroit. West Side in Livonia myself. Yeah, Deary's. Where, where are you at, Deary? I'm in Ann Arbor. Oh yeah, there you go. So he's in the uh, suburb of Canton. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, but what have you guys seen so far in, in the last couple weeks? Tigers have seemed to. Be a lot more, a lot more fun of a watch. But for you guys, from a fancy perspective, where do you guys see the Tigers so far? Any surprises? What do you think, Deary? I mean, we, for me, it's all just a big blur every day. I live here, born and raised Michigander. I live in Livonia over here. I'm just off Wayne Road. Come on by, say hello. But, uh, Deary, we don't. I don't know if you watch as much Tigers games as I do. I feel like you watch more than I do. I keep track of the stats, but. It's kind of rare that I sit down and watch a Tigers game because 
it all just melds together. This losing has gone on forever. And call me a fair weather fan, whatever you want to call me. That's fine, guys. It's not about that. It's about gaining my interest beyond the prospects, which I'm very, very excited tonight for Matt Manning's debut. I'm salivating. I'm super, super stoked. I think he could be the best of the three when it comes to the triumvirate of my Scooble and Manning. What do you think, dear? Uh, well, I, I mean, Mike, you're not wrong. It's It's been really, really poor for the last five years, and it hasn't been fun to watch the Tigers pass like the first couple weeks. Now, in the last month, a lot of things have changed. Uh, you know, Jonathan yeah. Scope over the last three weeks has been absolutely on fire. Robbie Grossman has been a very, very good pickup. But these are not guys who are going to be around when this team starts winning again. These are two guys that could be shipped off this year. I mean, Scope's on a one-year deal. We got Grossman for a two-year deal. Uh, you know, Raj talked about Willie Castro being on fire. You know, from a fantasy ask, aspect, those are probably the three guys that I was focusing in on on a fantasy aspect. All three of them did not start off very well, but they're all kind of serviceable guys right now, especially Scope and Grossman. I own them in a couple leagues. But the reason Ooh. I've been able to watch the last, you know, probably month has been Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. These two guys have been absolutely incredible. It was really, really frustrating to see Spencer Turnbull go down because Right there, you had three guys that were all pitching very, very well, able to able to locate the ball well, getting some swing and misses. And it's been exciting to see, especially Mize, he kind of got off off to the, the better start over than uh, compared to Scooble, especially over the last month. And I was trashing Mize about a month ago when he was still trying to figure it out. I, I think there's a lot of credit to you Chris were. Fetter. I think Chris Fetter has really, really done great work with this group, and that's why I'm excited for Manning to be up. Now, the question with Man Manning being up is how long is he going to be here? Is this is this a spot start? Is it going to be until Turnbull comes back? Um, you know, what's going to happen with Urania? But they're giving us an opportunity to at least look in and find some excitement. This team is still not a very good team. Sure, they beat a Royals team. The Royals are not very good. I mean, we saw what happened when the Tigers go up against a good team. They played the White Sox. They got bombed. I mean, that's going to happen, but they're a lot more exciting than they've been the last two years. The big question is going to be what happens over these next two seasons here. I mean, is Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, uh, Dylan Dingler, are these guys going to be two special? seasons? We got to wait another two seasons. Yeah, Good most God. likely. I mean, it, it's not a guarantee that those three guys I just mentioned come up next year and come out gangbusters and are, are, and are great right away. So this is where, you know, I see it. I'll throw it back to you guys. They need to make some moves in the offseason to where they're going to start spending money. And the problem is I don't trust Chris <laughs> Illich to spend money. That's why Mike's <laughs> laughing because we don't trust Illich whatsoever over at the Palazzo podcast. Eat shit, Illich. Uh-oh, is that bad? Am I not supposed to say that? Yes! You're the man now, dog. <laughs> For, I was referring to the, the amount of pitching there. But as far as Chris Illich is concerned, I think he's, I think he's going to have to spend money. And I, I know that I know you're not, you guys are not supportive of it, but I, I, objectively speaking, I think he has to, because if he doesn't, there's just going to be a fan riot. And I understand that the fans are already upset. There's, there's always, there's two schools of thought. How close is the rebuild? And it's a question that Chris and I, quite frankly, sometimes are tired of, you know, how close are we? And and the answer is until they, you're, you're actually absolutely right. They have to spend a little money in order to get there. And right now they still have, they have some pieces in place, and there's some things that you have to like you like about this team. And I'm all for the Tigers doing what they're doing right now. And they gave Spencer Torkelson a nice aggressive assignment, double A. Dingler, right now, same thing. They they both were proven in a high A, and they said, "Hey, you know what? Let's go to Erie. Let's let's get this going." And whether the Tigers what they spend or not is 
how much they spend is the, the question, but they they have to. They have to. The, the right now you're looking at the pitching staff right now, and you have Peralta going on Saturday because they don't really have the depth right now. Um, Wentz is still in Lakeland rehabbing, so but he's gonna be he still needs some time at AAA. I don't know how many starts he's going to need Chris Brown, but I think he's going to need a couple starts in Toledo before we see anything. He's gotten hit hard one start against Lakeland, and then he he's pitched okay, Chris, from my understanding. Yeah, I think Chip saw him pitch twice or maybe yeah, just yeah. once and saw But, yeah, in most outings, he's, he's not doing what you would kind of hope the guy we saw at the end of 2019 would do in high A. But, again, he's coming back from surgery and it's getting his feel back and stuff. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to – to really come up and uh, help anytime soon. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> First pitch. The game's underway, guys. Yeah, the game is underway here as we're live streaming this game. So if you're hanging out with us on YouTube or on Twitter, just like I said, feel free to comment during the game. Let, let us know what you think. And uh, I'll there. tell you guys to go back to Illich though, really quick, just to recap a little bit what, what you know we've talked about a lot. You know, for our guests here, I wrote a lot this winter about how Illich and Avila took the winner off from a, from a market where they could have taken advantage if they were willing to spend some money to get a couple of foundational pieces in place this year so that they could add these prospects to already solidified players in the line. And they absolutely That's... refused to do it. It was a complete joke. And uh, so they can say they're going to spend all this money. Uh, proof's in the pudding. Let's see it. Because... They can know what the Royals did, right, You, I mean, everybody's done this. Yep. comparison over and over again look at the royals they got carlos santana they made some small moves here and there minor league pitchers minor league contracts for pitchers like wade davis greg holland and it pans out mike minor yeah mike minor of course yes so everybody wants that and you're right they missed a window and that's what bothers me i don't have to have a hate for chris illich chris illich's actions have proved who he is right now i'm i'm not here to hate on a guy right the record speaks for himself no, 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 no doubt. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's it is kind of frustrating. Is no, there's no real explanation why. And and Robbie huh. Grossman. Robbie walked. Robbie, what do you know? Yeah, what a shock! Robbie Grossman drew a walk. Nice. I Love it. Done. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, like I said, I'm upset about it, but at the same time, I just, I like I said, history repeats itself. This was the same thing in the '90s before the Tigers got a new stadium. Mike Gillich did not spend until they got a new stadium. So. I don't, you know, but I don't want to beat a dead horse with that because they have they, to win, though, Raj. Right. You, you were saying they have to spend money. They have to win. If they win, Tampa Bay doesn't spend money. They win, right? So it's either right. win or spend money. You do have two options. But you do also have to spend a little money to increase to make your infrastructure a little stronger. That's my whole point. Because ah, they don't, well, you, I defer to you guys on that in terms of the like minor league scouting system and how yeah. that infrastructure holds up. I'll defer to you and Chris. Yeah, because they lack, they you know, they they lack some pieces right now that they need to spend a little bit of money on until the farm system develops, and hmm. they can they still need to get more pitching. They're still they're gonna like I said, spend a little money, address those things, and we go from there. So, but the what I want to get into before we uh, get to the game here is a uh, Scott Scope who is trade has been subject to trade talk is probably going to be traded as I think the Tigers are going to try to trade everything they can. That is not being held down. If they're smart, they will. Michael yeah. Fulmer, make him the closer, make him look good, then sell him. Sell him. And don't sell him for a lottery card either. So, but it's now, it's, <laughs> yeah, don't do that either. <laughs> By the way, it's uh, time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. Yes. All right. Inside the numbers. 
So inside the numbers, I'm sure, gentlemen, I explained to you how this works. We take a stat and break it down and talk about some stat that stands out this week for us. And you guys are our guests. So, Mike, what is your inside the number this week, Michael? Well, uh, it kind of goes to this start. Uh, In the fantasy realm, this start was looked at as a really juicy one because Shohei Otani, as of recent, over the last six weeks, and really most of the year, except the very beginning where he walked a lot of guys, has been an absolute force on not only the batter's box, but on the bump where he's at right now. So everybody for weekly leagues was looking at, oh, the Tigers, they stink, they suck. They got nothing to offer. Shohei Otani is going to go to town on that lineup, and we're looking at a double-digit K game at the very least. But, you know, hold the phone on that one. It's not always that easy. In my opinion, looking at these numbers for Shohei Otani, he's had an overall great year. There's no debate about that. I would never sit here and try to – I don't need to tell you that. If you follow baseball, you know Shohei Otani is God himself. (laughs) But – Tigers are sneaky good right now. And my point goes to Jonathan Scope, who over the last couple of weeks has been on an absolute tear. And the number that stands out to me is that over the last few weeks, the batting average has skyrocketed. He was in the dumper, but now he is not in the dumper anymore. Isn't that great news, guys? Over the last two weeks, his batting average has been... Oh, my God, where's my, where's my stat? It won't come up. Oh, my God, I wrote this down. Those, this is a big... The tension is killing me. I yeah. know. This is a... Hey, my program just failed. Isn't that hilarious? This is <laughs> this is live, folks. This is what happens when you try to do something and then totally fail. My name's Michael Govier, and I blew it. He's up very well. There you go. Here's the thing. Scope <laughs> has been good. Let's leave I it there. <laughs> Damn it. It's a good batting average. Trust me, the last two weeks, he's been really stellar in batting average, and it's been very special. And I thought he could actually take advantage of the fastball of Shea Otani, who's kind of ordinary. Even though he throws hard, it's not an elite pitch in terms of movement. All right. What about Deary? What about you? Yeah, for me, it's been the guy who led off. I mean, Robbie Grossman, He he's at a career at he's at 14.2% walk rate, which is what you really want from a leadoff guy. He's slashing at a 303 Babbitt, which is really nice. The interesting part is he's batting 247. The league average right now is sitting at like 230. So 247 actually doesn't look that bad. So you look at his numbers, you're like, oh, 247, that's not very good. This guy's been an incredibly serviceable fantasy player. Nine home runs, 36 runs, 32 RBI, eight stolen bases. That's good for about a top 140 fantasy player. And this is a guy who was drafted really, really late in fantasy. Now it's going to be interesting to me to see what the Tigers do with him. They have him on a two-year deal. And we do talk about some of these young guys coming up who, who might be in the outfield. The interesting part for me is do we trust Mr. Al Avila to make the right deal? And certainly I do not. He's got a couple gems here where he could really bring something back in return with a Michael Fulmer, a Jonathan Scope, a Robbie Grossman. But we've seen in the past what Mr. Avila does. He gets trash in these returns. And I get it. Most of these guys he's getting rid of are on the, the last end of their deal, the back end of a of, of a deal. You know, Scope was a one-year one year deal here. You know, that CJ Cron, uh, you know, pickup last year for one year was was great. And then he got hurt. The hope was that he was going to be able to bring these guys in for one or two years. They have real good seasons, and he ships them off to get some talent in return. The problem is I do not trust this general manager to make the right move. 
You know, Robbie Grossman's been extremely serviceable, a top of a lineup. He's, he's kind of a top of lineup guy with him being able to steal some bags and have that 14.2% walk rate. But I just don't trust Avila to be able to make the right deal. Um, but real, real nice pickup with Robbie Grossman this year. Um, the guy's 31 years old. He's having one of his better years in the majors. And it's really, really good to see he's doing it for the Tigers. That split, that split finger from Otani. Uber, uh, what's your inside the number? Uh, well, I ventured away from the Tigers today to my fantasy team since we got the fantasy guys here. Uh, Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., carrying my team to greatness this year. Right now, he's at a 682 slugging percentage, which is phenomenal. The reason I brought that up is, how good is that? He has a better slugging percentage than the OPS of seven different teams right now. Um, And he's about two home runs away from passing four more. So he is almost beating uh, close to 10 teams in slugging percentage uh, versus their OPS. So uh, that's how dominant he's been. He's been really fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I, I do flip around every night uh, while the Tigers are on even. I make sure I don't miss too many bats of Acuna, uh, Vlad, and uh, Tatis. Um, really, the, the amazing amount of young talent under the age of 23 right now in baseball is, is, is hard to fathom. Uh, I saw a note today, the top three vote-getters uh, for the all-star game are under the age of 23 right now. Uh, and that's never happened before. So I, baseball's well, in a good place there. Look at that, 281 OBP for Miguel Cabrera, by the way. That is, compared to what you just shared with us, you, by the way, my stats finally came up. I apologize. Last two weeks, 407 OBP. Last month for scope, 419 OBP a month, 30 days. So that's legit OBP stuff right there. Eight home runs in the last 30 days for scope. That's that's what I originally wanted to share with you guys in the first place. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. And uh, Chris, what's yours, Brown? Uh, yeah, so if for some reason you uh, just happen to be a fan of me, which I seem uh, seems unlikely, and you listen to a podcast I did uh, called Talking Halos, I already mentioned this, uh, but my number is 2.3. And that is Casey Mize's war this year, according to baseball reference which is the seventh best by any American League pitcher. It's, uh, and it's actually tied with Randy Rosarena for the second best among any rookie, uh, regardless of position, right behind Adolis Garcia, who's at 2.4. Now, the funny thing is, is Mize is at just 0.7 on fan graphs, and we can get into the, you know, the difference between that and another day, I guess. Uh, I, I tend to use both kind of interchangeably during the season, but I usually go for baseball reference for, like, career totals. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, we're not really talking about it, but Casey Mize would appear to be a legit Rookie of the Year candidate. Wow. And, and uh, you know, who knows if he'll get he, – I well, we know. He won't get enough innings, <laughs> probably. <laughs> to, yeah. They just – you know, they're going to have to shut him down at some point. He's already at 70 innings. I, I don't think he'll get more than 140, 150. Uh, but he's on pace for like a five-war season, at least according to baseball reference. And, I, and just for, for reference, as it were – uh, Michael Fulmer's rookie year was 5.4 when he won the rookie of the year, and Verlander was just 4.0. So, yeah, I, I think I was as down on, on Mize as anybody, too, and uh, he's kind of turned it around. And, and sure, it seems to be there's some some good luck there, but, yeah, he's, he's doing rookie of the year type stuff right now. Look at Miggy miss that fastball right down the middle, 2-2 two, two count, and just a whiff. Sorry, that, it's okay. just... 
He's old, man. I guess. I mean, the party's over, right? Are we expecting no, a second no. half? I mean, his numbers are better than what they have been. I mean, 281 OBP for the season right now is it's, bad. It's, it's over. It's kind of a mirage, his numbers, even because I saw a breakdown. He's hitting like 366 this year against the Royals, and then he's hitting like <laughs> Tom Reiser against everybody else, about 170. That's a good stat. Yeah, he's 38 years old, and it's all muscle memory from now. But my my inside number is the Tigers against Anaheim. Since 2010, the Tigers are 9-25. Since 2000, they're 24-58 and 58 overall. And this is them on the road. I mean, this is this is how bad they've been on the road. And how bad, I mean, look at the Tigers against Anaheim. I, I, I'm going to call them Anaheim, but I mean, the LA Angels in 2013. Tigers were their best team ever assembled. They lost the Boston, of course. 93 win team against the Angels, who won 78 games. Angels swept the series against them, 6-0. That's, I don't know what it is against Anaheim. I, I, it's just like, it's something that, it's only been three or four times in the last 25, 30 years the Tigers have had a winning record on the road in Anaheim. So, as bad as the D-backs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the Orioles, too. The Orioles are, yeah, that, we'll get to that a little later. But, yeah, so that's my inside of the number is just the Tigers' road record against Anaheim, or excuse me, L.A. And it's just, to me, it's just kind of crazy to think about that. But they do better in Oakland. I mean, they did it in the postseason. But for whatever reason, when they go to the Big A, they just cannot win there. And it's just, a, it's insane to me, no matter how good the Tigers have been. And those mid-2000 teams, mid or mid-team 2000 teams, it's just, it's just weird some weird voodoo so <laughs> but that is my inside number this week as the angels will now face or we're off youtube right now by the way so if you're watching us on twitter matt manning's about to head up to start which i don't you know by the way i did not know that i can't live stream something that's starting on youtube which makes no sense but no we've uh we've done maybe it's because it's the youtube thing because i've put mltv mlb tv on our stream and we've watched no hitters in action we had the uh cory kluber one remember that dearie couple last month yeah that's right and nobody got pissed. I don't know. It's very odd. Yeah, boo, yeah. YouTube, boo. Yeah. Well, I hope you're watching us on Twitter or on our Facebook channel. Uh, welcome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Matt Manning is about to start here in just a second. And before we get to the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the one of the things I want to talk about with Chris and especially you, I know you guys have watched a little bit of Matt Manning's last start. The last start came against Louisville, and he had his fastball working against a very, a very aggressive Louisville team that really kind of, in terms of AAA teams, were just – they don't really have a lot of uh, Chris. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They only have one, maybe one or two prospects tops. Yeah, they they uh, they have some you know good AAA players, but in terms of major league prospects, yeah, and, and even the guy, you know, the guys who are major league prospects are really like fourth, fifth outfielder types, like uh, like that Alejo Lopez kid, the second baseman. He's like leading. He's leading the minor leagues in hits and is up there in doubles, but he's not really a prospect. Just like he's like their Jacob Robson. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think I don't know. I, I am not expecting much at all from Manning in this game. He's to me, he's basically a two pitch pitcher with his fastball and his, his curveball. And I don't think they're as good as Alex Lang's fastball and curveball. His command is better. His control is better. Um, and I just he, you know, you never know what could happen in the majors. But he doesn't get swings and misses with his fastball or his curveball. Really, he freezes guys sometimes on the curveball. But he's going to – I expect a lot of foul balls, a lot of long at-bats, and probably a lot of hard contact tonight. Here we go. There's the first pitch ever. Woo-hoo. Oh. Former, Tiger, former Tiger Justin Upton. Who I he's been on a tear. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, he might be the streakiest player in all of baseball. Yeah. Says first Jonathan Scope. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the big thing for Manning is you got to work ahead. I mean, it's, I don't think he has to reinvent the wheel tonight. Just kind of work the corners and get ahead in counts and see if mm-hmm. he can get through the lineup twice. I think, you know, if he pitches four innings tonight and allows two runs, that's a pretty big. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I just Great. want to see. I just want to see some control from him. Um, you know, not feel flustered out there. You know, go out there, throw some strikes. If he gets hit, he gets hit. That's going to be fine. I just want to see him feel comfortable out there, throw some strikes, maybe fool some guys here and there. Um, he's certainly he's got some nerves going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, four innings, two two runs, I'd be fine with that, like you said. And quick point: there's no Trout and there's no Rendon in this lineup, so take oh, that's a of good that. pitch right there. Yeah, and they're gonna. They're, they're going to be trying to sit the fastball that curveball. Well, He's got a really good hammer curveball. It's, it's, it's right. Well, right. when we, uh, you know, when we were there in his last start uh, in Toledo, he walked the first batter, then didn't walk anybody again until the sixth inning. I think it was. Yeah. So there you go. Gets the first out right there. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a bad start. Yeah. Good right. for him. Yeah. There we Woo! go. <laughs> World Series 2022. Here we come. Was that five straight fastballs? Give him his due. Give him his due. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't throw any breaking balls. Nope. Look at that jaw, jawline of his. He's going to look good on his plaque in Cooperstown. <laughs> he, uh, so as we were we were talking about his mechanics uh, before the show, and I wanted to get Raj to, to play a game, but we probably won't do it while he's actually pitching. Uh, but he's an athletic kid. You know, he was you know six foot six, going to go college, play basketball. But there's something very, uh, I don't know, forced about his mechanics. It's like he has to hit certain checkpoints. Like it's not terribly fluid. And it'll slow down a little bit right there, but it's almost like he gets to like, all right, he, in his head, he's like checkpoint one balance point, checkpoint two knee out front. And, and it, uh, I don't know. I mean, he throws enough strikes that it doesn't really matter, but it doesn't strike me as super athletic on the mound. Interesting. This is huge though. Otani versus Manning. I've been waiting for this for yeah. a while, guys. I'm really yeah, excited for this. About this all day myself. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a, well, a, a match over here. Yeah. And you're, you're seeing, we've seen another, uh, Sort of misnomer. You know, Manning's ninety two, ninety four. He's not. He's not like a ninety six, ninety nine guy. He'll get up to ninety six probably later in the game, maybe ninety seven even. But he's ninety two, ninety four. He's not. I mean, that's a, basically an average major league fastball. It probably seems faster because his extension. But uh, it was that was a changeup right there, eighty nine mile an hour changeup that we kept seeing throwing down and in to left handers for some reason. <laughs> it's not uh, ideal location. Chris, that's great stuff, man. That is you really know your stuff. I'm well, it, I am. It's it's not just me. This is me hanging out with Raj and Jake and, and Chip and you know, we went and saw his last start and we were all discussing it. And so, you know, these are things that they picked up and then I'm repeating basically. But well, I mean, even what, like, yeah. uh, the, the curveball, Mike. If you hey, Michael, if you look at the curveball, sometimes it's almost like pronounced like how he's gonna throw the curveball. It's almost it's sometimes yeah. like, everything off speed kind of looks like he's it you see the release point kind of change a little bit, but that was when we started last started. Now Otani walks. At least it's not a four hundred foot bomb. So grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, now you can serve up another ground ball. You know, Chris and Roger. You, you know, you guys have seen it down. Um, you know, in the minors for Manning, I, I feel it's, it's somewhat of an go. outlier because he's a guy who didn't give up many home runs in the minors, and I think he gave up eleven home runs. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's. I, I think part of that is probably whatever is going on in the AAA ball. You know, the baseball, remember it was all funky in 2019, and I don't know if yeah. they're still using that same, you know, Super Bowl. Uh, you know, got some weak contact there. That was good. But, yeah, he, it's kind of an issue where he, it's control over command. He throws a lot of strikes, but they're not always where they need to be. You know, he's not on the edges as much as he needs to be. It's kind of 
because he was able to just throw it by guys mostly in double A. And uh, so I think he's just got to take that next step with his command. I think he can because of his, you know, inherent athleticism, even if I complain about his mechanics. Yeah, he's going to have to be careful. He's going to have to be careful here. Walsh destroys right-handed pitching. I was just going to say, this is the kind of guy right here, Tigers fans should hope that we can acquire or create this guy. He has been a special talent. Jared Walsh of the Angels had a nice little short season stint last year where he showed some pop, hits the ball hard, and now he's taken that right into 2021, and he's a borderline all-star. And he's trying to bunt. He can (laughs) bunt. Isn't he like 27, 28? He's a – I thought he was uh, mid-20s. Maybe it's 25, 26, something like that, yeah. To some time to develop. Be, uh, I mean, the Angels, I mean, for all the injuries they he's have. T- he's, he's 27. He'll be 28 in uh, okay. August, or in shit, next month. Well, I didn't think he was a child. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. been around a bit, no. but he's kind of a late bloomer kind of guy. Is what well, I mean. no, it's, it, it, it seems seems legit. I mean, J.D. was 27 when he came to the Tigers and, and figured mm-hmm. it out. Like, it, it happens. I just, uh, yeah, I'd be fine with, uh, you know, we talk about Yariel Gonzalez or somebody like that down in Toledo. Like, somebody just randomly becomes a... 20 30 home run hitter out of nowhere would be great but i think walsh was a college player too yeah speaking uh, speaking of toledo by the way something that chris and i were talking about earlier cody clemens is starting in right field this evening so Hmm. that's an interesting development uh, what's going on yeah are they going to make him a super utility guy i think that's what the case is uber i mean i think that you're looking at a situation right now with no more uh zara Zara, that is just right now a guy who's struggling and maybe uh, nice clean inning 14 pitches woohoo give that man his due (laughs) right now somewhere rich manning is smiling look at that those deep breaths yeah hopefully he can he can lock in now and after uh badu hits a 500 foot home run off of otani we can enjoy 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 manning's nine inning shutout (laughs) i think with manning there you know that he had a bad a bad month no question about it It, it horrific but at the end of the day, it's still just a month. And, uh, you know, how is he going to come back from the adversity of it? Um, you know, because he's had a pretty easy go of it over his time in the minors. He's been pretty successful consistently. Uh, so I, I, I wasn't too worried. This is the first real bout of problems that he's had. Uh, I'm interested to see how that curveball develops. And as he matures, you know, you see a lot of pitchers like Lance Lynn and a few others who have variations of their curveball. Uh, and will he mature that way and be able to have a couple different looks with it? Uh, even if he is just a two-pitch pitcher, can you turn that curveball into two or three pitches? Uh, yeah. That's a good hopefully. point. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he needs that third pitch in order to kind oh. of stay. You know, I know that somebody was somebody compared him to Jeremy Bonderman already, which because of his two pitches. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, they, they were actively working on him trying to, I mean, that was kind of one of the stories in the offseason, right, was about him, sorry, about him working on a second breaking ball, more of a slider. Yeah. Uh, but I, they seem to have shelved that for the time being. It, it's interesting. He does kind of have two breaking balls. Unfortunately, it's it's like one good curveball and one bad curveball. So if he's like 77 to 80, 79, the curveball, like Roger's saying, kind of hops out of his hand. You could see it. Yeah. Plate. But if he if he's, tightens it up a little bit and is throwing it more in like 80, 81, 82, it actually kind of mirrors the the fastball and, and tends to drop below the zone and, and he can get swings and misses on that. But I don't know. Like, yeah, like you said, I mean, we're, we're talking twenty three year old here. He's uh, still plenty of development to to, to go. And uh, well, I just how did twenty nineteen happen, Brown? 
2019 was a really great run in a not a small sample size. That was a full season oh, of for, kick-ass for, production, right? For Manning and Double A. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, well, I mean, it's just one. Of, it's one of the reasons there are multiple levels of the minors. <laughs> you can, you could be outstanding in Double A and not quite good enough in triple a you could be great triple a not quite good enough in the majors and i think basically the hitters he's running across in triple a are not terribly fooled by his breaking ball okay. and so he even then he so he so the fastball is good velocity good extension but not a ton of it doesn't have like the modern pitch metrics that people love to see it's not a high spin fast fastball at all and it doesn't have a ton of movement um so he's got that, and then the breaking ball comes and goes. And uh, it was good enough to get out a lot of double-A hitters, but I think that the triple-A hitters are just that much more advanced. It could sit on that one pitch that he's not locating quite well enough. But again, I think he was better in double-A than he has been so far this year, just in terms of execution and, and you know his stuff was crisper. And I think part of that is you got a, you got a year layoff and his arm injury last year. Remember, he was shut down. Yeah, so form. he's still – Yeah, so he, he's probably even farther behind than, than most guys would be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I realize I'm being pretty negative about him right now. I'm just trying to give people no, realistic expectations. Very legitimate arguments. Those were great points you made. I just wanted to kind of compare them to that great full season in 2019. That's all. Good stuff. Well, yep. you know where we've been real interested to, uh, he preys on Chris Fetter. And now that he's in, De- now that Manny's in Detroit, for as long as he's there, he's going to have daily access to Chris Fetter, and we'll see what that can do for him. I mean, absolutely. In terms of a rotation standpoint, though, the one thing before we get to the good, the bad, the ugly is that the Tigers, for the first time in probably our lifetime, not since the Dan Petrie, Jack Morris, Bill Wilcox, where the Tigers have three. If Manny can get it together, I know, Mike, Michael, you're laughing at me. I don't mean, I don't know. Oh, what about Dave Rosema? (laughs) Oh, Rosema, yeah, but he's great as a rookie. Yeah, it was great. And then the karate kick threw his his projection off a little bit. But I mean, whoa, there's what it's about to do. Yeah, nice. Double. There we go. I was demanding a 500-foot homer, and I'm not happy about it. Oh, Oh, he's out. He's out. They got him. Yeah, that was good. Darn it, darn it, darn it, darn it. Man. Thrown out a third, folks. Buzzkill for Akil Badu. By the way, I wrote a great song about Akil Badu, which you can find on the Palazzo Podcast YouTube channel. Two L's, two Z's. It's a tribute to Badu. I think Sons so, of the police. So Tiger, <laughs> I like it. We got we got Tiger blogger here who says, um, JV Max Sanchez. What Roger was saying was homegrown guys homegrown, who were little, like, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say before you yeah. jump, you know, before you jump the gun in terms of homegrown talent. That's what so, I meant. In terms well, of it, Cox, was it Cincinnati Red? No, he was a Met actually. Safe? No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Ah. Who am I thinking of? Who was no? Walt Terrell was thinking of. Sorry, Walt Terrell's a Met. Yeah. In terms but, of uh, homegrown talent of the three, excuse me. All those three, I was just going to mention Morris and Petrie, in terms of that, and then you have Rosemont. You can technically count Rosemont in there, so you can throw Rosemont in the mix. So, uh, no problem at all, Tiger Blogger. Um, so that's where, in terms of homegrown talent, the Tigers never had any pitching in the '90s. I mean, Justin Thompson, that was it. I had a Justin Thompson jersey. Oh my yeah. God, Justin Thompson, dude, Justin that is Thompson. a mind blowing comment. Brian Moeller. Oh, oh, Brian Brian Moeller. CJ oh. Nitkowski? <laughs> oh, well, they got him in a trade. I mean, he was part of that. He was part of that Cecil Fielder trade. Or the Cecil Fielder trade? No, I mean, what am I thinking? Wait, wait, no, that was, was with the Reds, or did he go Reds, to the Reds yeah. after that? It was David it was the David Wells trade. That's right. David Wells. They got CJ Nitkowski for for David Wells, I believe. So no, but in terms of like homegrown talent, the Tigers have not really, it's been a long time since they've had this amount of homegrown talent in their pitching staff. I mean, you can even 
go back to you can go back to the sixties and Danny McLean and of course, I mean they got him technically from Chicago. So actually, uh, maybe this is kind of rare. This is a rare era right now. And so oh <laughs> Joe Bolivar. <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> Joe Baver? I love Joe yeah. Baver. Oh man, he had the best. <laughs> I used him in Ken palm- Griffey uh, Junior Baseball in '94. Yeah, yeah didn't he? Have, he had a um, he had a palm ball, didn't he? Yeah, that was, that was his big. Yeah, there you go, you. Yeah, I remember he had a palm ball. That was his big. Yeah, the palm ball. Yeah, that was. Are you uh, saying palm malls thing. or palm ball? Palm ball. Palm ball. There we go. Palm malls are disgusting. Give me a pack so, of palm malls. Yeah, unfiltered, please. All right, here yeah. we go. Now, speaking of ugly. The good. Oh, that's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. All right, it's now time for the good, the bad, the ugly, and I will start with my two colleagues first, Youper and Chris. What is your good and the bad and the ugly this week? Well, for me, uh, you can. We're going to combine my good and bad because I think there's some good and bad to both. Uh, I went with the good. I think MLB is doing the right thing uh, with. Uh, cracking down on the sticky stuff on the ball. Uh, The game, in my opinion, we've talked about it in the past. I'm not alone. You know, you read Jason Stark and a bunch of other places. The game was in borderline crisis mode in terms of no contact and lack of action on the field. Um, So what they did, instead of creating some of the crazy rules that they have in the minors right now that they're trying, and they're not crazy, but they're, a little extreme. They took a rule that's on the books that might have some effect because these substances were already illegal. There was just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge um, that they could be used. So they're cracking down on it. We'll see if the spin rates come down. We'll see if the offense goes up. The good news is we can empirically track that now. And also we'll see if the biggest thing is the velocity. In order to regain some of the control, our pitcher is going to have to back off the velocity a little. Because um, I think velocity, even more than spin rate, is what's causing a lot of the, the uh, action to be down in baseball and why pitchers are so dominant. Because uh, as we need to get to that point where less action is from the pitcher's mound to home plate, and that's it. And we need more action out in the field. So we'll see if that – so I think MLB is doing a good thing. But the bad is – it's a little awkward that they dropped it on the head of all these pitchers in June. Uh, could we have waited until next uh, off season to implement this? Uh, I think there's some legitimate arguments to be made. I mean, Tyler glass now is already blaming his injury on it. Uh, there's going to be more, every guy who gets hurt from here on is going to mention the fact that uh, he's had to change the way he approaches the uh, grip on the baseball. So, you know, leave it to MLB to maybe do the right thing in, in some respects, but uh, their implementation, I think, is going to be a little questionable because I don't even think the umpires have a consistent message on what they're supposed to be doing yet. Um, so so there's some good and bad to that whole situation. My ugly, pretty easy one. I think probably I'm probably stealing this from some of you already. Uh, Diamondbacks with 23 straight road losses. Uh-huh. Orioles with 19 straight road losses. And the best part of that, those two teams don't have the worst record on the road in MLB. How is that? I know what it is. Who is it? 1935 Boston Braves? No, 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 no. This year. This year. Oh, 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 the Rockies. Yeah, the Rockies. Yeah, the Rockies are 5-27 and on the road. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, I mean, the D-backs have lost 23 in a row, a major league record, and they don't have the worst record on the road in baseball. It's pretty amazing. Honestly, uh, sit here in June. So those are three ugly teams. I I don't I don't think the Tigers can outtank these three teams this year, unfortunately. I think the writing's on the wall that uh, the Tigers are not going to draft Elijah Green <laughs> next year. All right. Uh, Chris, <laughs> what is – yeah, that's, that's a pretty good bad ugly there, Uper. Chris, what's yours, Brown? Uh, so I have a little bit of – I decided to go minor league flavor with mine tonight, something I, I haven't done in a while. Uh, so I'll start with my good, and it's Nick Prado, a first baseman, first base prospect in the Kansas City Royals organization. You might remember him if you're a draft fan, as uh, he was the Royals' first rounder in 2017, 14th overall, as a high school first baseman. So that's pretty rare on its own, unless you can hit like crazy. And that's people thought he could. People thought he was a really, really good hitter, and he was fine his first couple seasons. You know, like a, a 103 WRC plus in that first half season. Uh, in his draft year and then it was you know what a 124 wrc plus in in low a in 2018 so he looked like he was coming along and then last year he was just a disaster he hit 191 with a 35 percent strikeout rate and a 119 iso in 124 games so it, and that was in high a so it looked like all right this guy's just it he just can't <laughs> he can't do it it's high a 120 games uh and then you know the pandemic hit he didn't play and then comes back this year and he's just been outstanding he's hitting 306 right now in double a with an 18 percent walk rate his strikeout rate's down to 25 percent, which is totally playable his iso is 355 he's got 11 home runs already wrc plus of 187 fifth highest ops in all the minor league baseball right now so and he's still 22. He turns 23 after the season, so it's basically right back on track. And and I think, you know, not as much as we don't want to praise the Royals, I, that's good for them. You know, it's it's nice to see when you take a first round pick and he overcomes adversity. And so that's somebody to watch. Uh, we'll we'll stick with uh, stick with Missouri for my bad. Uh, it's Levi Prater, who was the third round pick for the St. Louis Cardinals last year, uh, lefty left handed pitcher out of Oklahoma, and he was. You know, he, he was viewed as a solid pitcher, not necessarily, you know, he went in the third round uh, and, and a guy who had had some decent stuff and had a chance to remain a starter, but not necessarily. It's probably people project him more to be a, a mid middle reliever. Uh, and he was never like a control artist. Part of his success was that he throws across his body and you know, it's kind of a deceptive delivery. Uh, but so far in low A this year, uh, he's got some interesting numbers uh, They he uh He's in 31 and two-thirds innings. He's got 53 strikeouts and has only allowed 15 hits, which is pretty outstanding. Uh, he's also walked 30. 30 batters in 31 innings. Uh, it's a 21.3. Yeah, it's a 21.3% walk rate. Uh, but his ERA is like, you know, in the twos. So he's working around it right now. But uh, it strikes me as kind of bad. It's the sort of thing you don't really want to see from your 22-year-old third-round pick in low A. Uh, but you know it's the Cardinals, so they'll turn him into some sort of dynamite reliever in a couple of years. <laughs> and my ugly, unfortunately, is a guy that uh, we've talked about, I think, a fair amount on this show, at least definitely in person. And it's one Mr. Nick Quintana, the Tigers' second round pick in 2019. Now it's been a really, yeah, it's been a really strange couple of years, obviously, for anybody, but. Uh, he got a hit tonight too. I think to raise his average to uh, 143 or something like that, 153. Hey, no but, stopping uh, him now. We're, I'm looking at his stats right now. We're coming up on uh, 
400 career plate appearances in the minors, all at low A or below. He's 23-year-old, turns 24 after the season. He's a career 177, 284, 263 hitter. Uh, yeah, three three career home runs, 48 walks, 112 strikeouts in uh, 95 games. He is – uh, is, is that, that Badu? Damn it. Oh. Was, what a terrible that, throw. You know, Badu doesn't – that's Badu, right? Yeah, that was left field. Yeah, he's got a 40-arm. Um, that was – he was – he was turning at third. He already had the ball in left field there, and he wasn't even that deep. He was not deep, weird. and he threw this like high, like looper. He didn't even throw a bullet in there. Yeah, he, it's that's his weakest tool, uh, pretty easily. That's a guy who just got called up today. Luis Rengifo returned from AAA today, so that's oh, interesting. You to your point, Brown, about uh, Mr. Manning. <laughs> well, I, I just think I mean, we haven't seen him miss bats yet, right? <laughs> Look at that throw. That's not really. Terrible. Yeah, that's it was a terrible throw. throw. Still, I also, I, maybe I missed it. You guys could correct me. I know we're doing two things at once here. But uh, the guy who got on second, it looked like it was a base hit up the middle. And he turned it into two. Did you see that a couple of batters ago? Yeah. To get the guy who just scored? So that's not cool. Yeah, it was Fletcher. Uh-oh. That's a Anderson level airmail, and he's, oh, there's another run. That's what David Fletcher does. Deary just called it. Mm-hmm. And that's two runs on the board. There goes that ERA. I, I just don't want people. Look, I just don't want people to have this ex- expectation. He's going to come out there and throw bullets. It's just, just going to take some time. No, you're you're correct, Raj. We talked about how he's like a two pitch pitcher right now. Uh, yeah. Look at Brady Singer over with the Royals. Uh, you know the guy's uber talented, but he's also a two pitch pitcher right now, and he's really really talented. But it's going to take him a little bit of time. So everybody, chill out in Detroit. It's going to take some time with Manning yeah. as well. The weird inning though. Yeah. That was that was not like oh he got torched. Correct. No, that's and, and that's just kind of was. I don't know if I made my point earlier, but this is kind of what I expect from him. He, he's he's a guy. He's I, I said he'd give up some hard contact, so I was wrong about that so far. But yeah, he's a guy. He's it's kind of like a sinker baller sometimes, you know, like a Jose Urena, where sometimes you're just going to see like eight balls in play in a row and they're going to find holes. Uh, that's just it's he's not he's not the dominant, you know, throw it by a guy that I think he's been painted out to be, unfortunately. And he maybe he can become that guy, but to me, I think to do that, he's going to have to sit at like ninety six plus, and he just doesn't do that. All right. And Chris, was it you're also you're ugly? Is that yeah, my ugly was my ugly was Nick Quintana. Basically, you know, you, you watch his his compatriots from that draft class are already in Double A performing. Andre Lipsius is up there looking like a player. Ryan Kreidler is doing things. I mean, he you know who knows? Kerry Carpenter, the nineteenth round pick, is up there. And he's down in low A hitting 150. And it's uh, it's a shame. And, and who knows, maybe he can turn it around. We just talked about Prado turning around. But this is an older guy, and I just don't think he can hit. Yeah. And defensively, too, kind of struggled. Like I said, we, we talked about that before. Yeah. When he was at West Michigan. Defensively, struggled. So you guys have a good bat. Ugly. You guys want to combine one? What do you guys have? Uh, Mike and Michael and Deary, what do you guys have? Oh, I got I'll run through mine. I'll I'll run through mine really quick. Uh, Yeah, the good Jacob Degrom. He's given up four earned runs and he has six RBIs in the season. Forty-seven percent K rate. He's been absolutely legendary this season. It's too bad he got pulled last night with some shoulder soreness. Hopefully, he can avoid the DL. He's putting up an amazing MVP type type season. The bad is the first place Milwaukee Brewers. Now, why do I say it's bad? They have a two ten batting average, worst in the National League. 
They've struck out 680 times, also worse than the National League, an OBP of 299, and somehow they're sitting atop of the NL Central with the Chicago Cubs. There's no way this can last, uh, them being up in the upper echelon of this division with them hitting that this poorly. So that's that's my bad. And my ugly is Blake Snell. I talked about this in the offseason. I wanted nothing to do with Blake Snell when it came to fantasy. Um, the guy cannot pitch past the fifth inning he's pitched into the sixth inning twice this year he's got a 5.43 walk per nine which is absolutely atrocious 5.72 era he's been an absolute disaster for the padres and they're on the hook for him for the next five years um i think it was a complete mirage what happened several years ago when he won the cy young he he has control problems he's got excellent stuff he's going to strike guys out but he just has terrible control problems throws too many pitches and cannot pitch deep into games Tampa, you know what? It's like almost Tampa is like have this radar kind of thing. Like, eh, all right, you go, go. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. the machine. Michael, what about you? Speaking of machines, I'm the machine, Michael Govier. Michael the machine Govier is what they used to call me in high school. And uh, I don't want to get into specifics, but oh, <laughs> doctor. Oh boy, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Are, are we live? We are. Yeah, we? we are. We are. Well, continue. Oh, okay. So, what is, what is your good and bad? The ugly. Well, I'm going to start. Can I start from the back and go to the good? Finish yeah. on a positive note? Yeah. yeah. So the good. ugly. I'm going ugly, ugly, ugly. And to me, ugly is worse than bad. Is that how you guys see it? Because that's how I see it. That's, I see it. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I always wondered, because it's a hierarchy of good, bad, and ugly. But ugly and bad aren't necessarily comparative things that you would look at and be like, oh, that's ugly, that's bad. But I always assumed ugly was like, so bad, it's beyond bad, it's ugly. And for me, MLB is the ugly thing the ugly entity right now you cannot change rules in the middle of a season you can't even do that in fantasy i talked to deary about this yesterday fantasy leagues don't change rules in the middle of the year you'd vote on it for next year maybe it would change and i know you you made the point about you're glad to see the crackdown on the substances with pitchers and that's cool but you can't do it once the season's underway people have invested money on bets Uh, Yeah, exactly. They've invested money on bets and gambling and expectations, not expecting any kind of radical change where suddenly gunk is gone. So that to me is almost unforgivable. I don't know how you can have any respect left after how MLB handles the last couple of years and all the situations that have come up. Rob Manfred looks like a scumbag. He looks like a guy that doesn't even know what baseball is about. He's a total bozo. MLB is ugly right now, and it makes me really, really, really sad, guys. But it does give me hope because right now what we're doing here, all five of us, we're keeping the game alive. We're keeping the game as a little little piece for ourselves because the people who run it seem to have a very, very vague idea of how do you properly run a sports league. So we got to make sure we keep staying on the air. We keep talking about this stuff so we don't lose that last little bit that they're just tarnishing. So that really bothers me, man. Really bothered me. <sighs> okay, so the bad is to Tyler Glass now then. Tyler Glass now tears his elbow, his UCL joint, because, in his opinion, and I actually thought it was ridiculous when he first said this, but I'm actually kind of buying into it the more I've talked about it and read about it. Did I change your mind last night, Mike? You, you did. <laughs> you kind of did. I thought more about it. I read some more stuff, and I, I listened to him talk because there's video of him passionately saying how he believes that going cold turkey on the gunk caused him to tear his elbow. 
And he did that. He struck out 11 nationals the other day in his last start. 11 nationals with no substances, no sunscreen, no spider tack, whatever the hell anybody uses. There's a lot of different substances that they all mix together. He went cold turkey, struck out 11 nationals, which is amazing. And that also lends support to the fact that spin rate is slightly overhyped in certain situations. But I don't want to get into an argument about that. But then he tore his elbow because he threw harder and gripped harder. He says he gripped the ball so hard that it ended up causing this injury. He woke up the next day after that start and felt different. He felt off, and that is the bad. Tyler Glass now is a victim of this rule change, and I'm starting to think it's got some validity to it. I really do. And then finally, the good. There's a bunch of people to choose from, but uh, I'll give it to the old man, Joey Votto. Joey Votto, the veteran. You know, we focus on fantasy on the Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's. And Joey Votto's been on a tear since he came back off the injured list about 10 days ago. He's got three home runs over the last week, and he's crushing the ball with a 997 OPS, and things are looking really good. So Joey Votto's an old man, and I thought maybe his best days were past him, but coming back from a a hand-related injury, he's been crushing the ball. Three home runs, 11 RBIs. 300 average, scored seven runs in the last seven days. That's the kind of production you want. And that Reds lineup makes us Tigers fans, we just look at Nick Castellanos and what he is doing now. I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot. It's just like, damn, what could have been? What a, what could have been? Yeah, and you know, it's that's a pretty good move, bad and ugly. I have to follow up with that. <laughs> with, I was looking at the, you guys have the ability with the, the stat, the, being fantasy guys, and I'm like I said, I'm so relatively new to fantasy, and there's so much to it. If it wasn't for Michael, I'd probably be lost upon some of the <laughs> decisions I made on the, some fantasy. But so my good and bad ugly this week is kind of a little bit of a, a variety of things. A little bit the good has been Gleyber Torres, and I mean for how bad the Yankees have struggled offensively, there's a few of them have had some strong seasons, and, and it's just a, a lot of bad luck, perhaps, or just they also they're terrible getting runs just in terms of base running and getting guys home. So from 2018 to 2019, Torres, and I got this from MLB.com. I thought this was a really good stat, cool stat. And he, Torres had a OPS plus of 125. He struck out 23% of the time and chased out of the zone 30% of the time. Um, last two seasons, he's got an OPS plus of 103. He has struck out 18% of the time and has chased out of the zone 21% of the time. So he's getting better at having a better eye and that, and that and that is key for the Yankees in terms of even getting guys right now where they're just productive and and I know again with the, the offensive struggles they've had with I mean Aaron Judge outside of you know Aaron Judge has had a beast here that throws some strikes out on a was that that was a cha- was that a change up or that was a curve wasn't it yeah that was a breaker that was a nice pitch yeah that was that was a nice piece there let's see here with that curve Ooh. wow a slider sorry slider um Curve, but at any rate, so that's yeah, that's my good. My bad is Will Craig. Uh, so Will Craig was sent back down as he was, he was the one that was in the first baseman side, (laughs) he was the first baseman of that in that play that happened with the Cubs last week, and he was sent down. And again, you talk about the 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 Tigers might have first baseman problems with Cabrera and then Jonathan Scope not being a true one. Talk about a team that's not getting any type of production from their first base. I mean, you get to see Colin Morgan back, but outside of that, it's just been the Will Craig experience. It was a guy that I thought that maybe would come together and get out of that kind of tweener prospect status, but it looks like it's not going to happen. So um, 
yeah, I mean, he's he got sent back down, and it's just and maybe it's for a good thing. I mean, that, that whole experience, that whole that whole thing with the Cubs is so weird, so strange. And my ugly, and and you know, you took it, Michael, but I I would have to second the the whole way baseball decided in the middle of the season to screw over the players. And I think the reason why they're doing it, this is an angle that no one's discussed. It's money purposes. I mean, I think they're really going out of their way to say, hey, your numbers, the better your numbers are. The better we have, the more we have to pay you. If your numbers are not that good, we don't have to pay you. And I, 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 it sounds like you know some sort of like kingpin from Marvel comics or some sort of grand <laughs> wizardly master plan. But think about it. Let me ask you guys a question. Baseball has done collusion before a couple times throughout their history. Correct? They've always found a way to screw with a player. They were busted. They're literally verified that too. Yeah. Yes. And Uper, you were around when collusion first happened in the mid '80s, mm-hmm. and that whole the whole exchange happened where you saw guys like Kirk Gibson get screwed out of their prime years. You don't think this is out of the realm of baseball owners to think about that from this standpoint of not paying these pitchers who are putting up some really monumental numbers? Um, you know, there's a lot of pitchers going to the free agent market this year, so I mean, that's very possible. You can't put anything past an MLB ownership. I mean, they are always going to look out for their best interests uh, on the bottom line first and everything else second. Um, I have to imagine uh, part of their calculus here uh, is they think more offense is going to sell more tickets and lead to more TV ratings. Uh, I I would, that's kind of where my suspicion would lead. Um, They think that, you know, more home runs, more runs uh, is going to be beneficial to their bottom line. Uh, you know, it's a follow the money situation with the owners all the time. Uh, just like when uh, when they ran into that problem with collusion and some other things back in the 60s, uh, every time they needed an influx of cash uh, because of what they did themselves, i.e. collusion, they expanded uh, where they, they brought in new teams and and put up expansion fees and they paid for whatever they owe. That's how they paid off the collusion lawsuit. Um, so now with uh, having lost a year uh, of, of revenue to COVID, uh, it would not shock me at all. Uh, at some point in this next collective bargaining agreement, uh, they add teams and they sell those franchises for, you know, $900 million or a billion dollars, whatever that fee is going to be. Uh, and that's going to go right into the coffers of the owners. So, yeah, I mean, the one thing, I don't think we're the first to say this, but the, the commissioner does not care about the integrity of the game, I don't think. <laughs> I think the commissioner works for the owners. The commercial, like, that's what we have to, you know, everybody has to realize. The commissioner doesn't, it's not about making the game more fun to watch or more, uh, you know, competitive. It's It's about making money for the owners. That's why... Baseball went 140 years with no gambling, and now you can gamble on every single pitch and every single, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, wow, we can make a ton of money on this. All right, let's do it. And so whatever it is about about this, I think you're right, Raj. I think there's, I think there is probably some something to it where there's a tipping point where they said, yeah, people aren't going to watch this because the product isn't fun, and that's going to lose us money. I, I think they may try to play it both ways when they get to free agency this year. Well, they'll say... The pitcher, you know, pitcher who had a good year, they'll go, well, how do we know you were doing it legally? And then if it's a hitter who has a good year, they go, well, you, you know, you probably started hitting after we took the sticky stuff away from the pitchers. How do we know if that's legit? And so, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I don't trust ownership or the commissioner or anything like that. So yeah, it's been it's been really weird. I was trying to think of the last time we saw something like this in a sport, and I remember like 15 years ago, maybe the NBA changed basketballs, and everybody hated it. And then so at the All Star break, they changed them back. But that's like that's it wasn't a big deal, you know. It didn't completely change the game. I I don't think a, a huge amount. And this is something that's you know monumental for pitchers. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm expecting there to be, well, we know the offseason is going to be a disaster anyway, so this is just going to add to it. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I still going to meet somebody who agrees with me. That's that's an understatement, Chris, what's going to happen in the, in the offseason. Uh, you know, Raj, I think you're spot on with what, with what you said, um, and I don't think you're the first one that's brought it up. It's the first time I've heard someone say it, though, but I think you're spot on. Mike and I have been talking about this on the Enrico Palazzo podcast a ton, on, it is going to be a mess in the offseason. You know, Chris talked about how Manfred works for the owners. Like, he does not care about these players whatsoever. And the sad part is, is us as fans, as consumers, as fantasy players, we really don't care about the owners. We really don't care about Manfred. It's all about the players, but they do a, a huge disservice to the players. It's going to get real ugly in the offseason. I would not be surprised if we don't have a season next year or we have a huge delay because it's going to get real ugly. Yeah. I mean, and, and look at Tony Clark. I mean, as much as Tony Clark has that sound and fury to him, he's no Donald fear. And I've talked about this on the podcast numerous times. Donald fear put the fear of God in the owners. I mean, when he was the head of player person, uh, the players association, I mean, look at the NHL. I mean, he's running the NHL like it's a tight ship and the NHL has blossomed pretty well in terms of players benefits in, in just in doing the, it's, with Gary Bettman, and, and I mean, no one likes Gary Bettman over there, but at least the players, with all the, the changes to the, vision, the divisions and everything, it seems like the, there's not as many problems in the NHL than there is in, M in MLB. I mean, it's just Tony Clark just seems like there's, after a while, there's like a concession after upon concession. The players are getting frustrated, and they're saying they're not even, I mean, Tyler Glasshouse now, who pretty much admittedly seems like he's always been kind of like, quiet guy says the right thing and the media is like no nah, screw this man I'm, I'm i'm done being nice and it's there's a lot that was a nice fastball by the way by uh fanny yeah. there add or ADHD <laughs> in there um no it's uh but it's 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 one of those things where gentlemen baseball i think is going to be in for i think the owners are going to be in for a rude awakening because i think the players are, the players going to have there's going to be a, there's a fraction of players i think that just want to keep going I don't think the player union is, is what it was before. I remember in the nineties when you had Tom Glavin come out there, you have these guys who are like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not playing. And you don't see that yet. It's kind of like it's fraction apart. Every player has its own personality. And so this is gonna be a this is gonna be a long winter. And for Tiger fans out there who are waiting for this rebuild thing, I just you hope and you hope and pray that get everything gets done and, and we continue to have baseball next season. But it's 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 looking bad right now. The 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 there has to be some sort of concessions to the owner the owners have to make some sort of concessions but i don't see that happening yeah it's armageddon armageddon's coming man you can't deny this stuff you can't ignore it you can't blow it off sooner or later the bill comes due and it's gonna come due in a real bad way probably for both sides i'm expecting a tremendous amount of chaos in the offseason i can't wait for it i really want to see what kind of change can actually possibly come from the cba that if it does get done in time which i highly doubt would be a wonderful bonus. It would be a nice break. I would say that. Yeah. So uh, we have a question, right, Chris? We had a couple questions. Oh, we did. The one thing I was going to say is, is if I were the players, I would do everything in my power to somehow make Scott Boris our representative. 
for <laughs> negotiations because he's the only guy he always tells it exactly like he's, he has no fear of talking shit to baseball he's a savage yeah. yeah and and he would he would do whatever it takes to get everybody money but i think they would have to all agree to be his client and uh that'd be a bummer but no i you know the one question i saw i think it was steve cook asked us right if that's the one you're talking about he basically said now that manning's up who is the top pitching prospect for the tigers still left in the minors uh <laughs> well it's the top pitching prospect is... Hey, there was a change-up. Sorry. Was, that, was, that was nice. 88. Yeah. Nice. I'd like to see it a little lower in the zone, but uh, the arm, I, arm movement was exactly the same. Yeah, and, and, I, a little bit softer, too, probably, unless he's going to be throwing 97. But anyway. I, did, I didn't mean any disrespect to Steve Cook real quick, by the way. Earlier no. on Twitter, it just freaked me out because that was my stepdad's name. It was so weird. I was like, whoa. I had all <laughs> these flashes of some wild oh. memories of my teenage years. But anyways, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. The Tigers' best pitching prospect is whichever of the first three picks they use next month. <laughs> That's going to be their best pitching prospect left. You know what? I'm going to say, you know what, I, uh, Chris, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm going to go with, honestly, I, I, I've been debating about this all day. I saw that question earlier, and I went back and forth, and I'm going to have to go with, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Kyler uh, Montero. I think just slightly over Elvin Rodriguez, just slightly, only because I feel Montero's got some more movement on his curveball, and I've seen I've seen both of them pitch. I haven't seen Elvin Rodriguez pitch live, but um, Montero's got some upside to him. Definitely think that he is the better hmm. of the two. Um, not but but not by much. It's like one in one A, really. That's left mm-hmm. that that's left in the system right now. But he's right now in high A, and, and Rodriguez is in, in double A, but. I just haven't seen Ellen go out there and shove. And I mean, and, you know, Montero's gone out there a couple times and has had some really good starts. But what's been interesting about the system is there's been a lot of bullpen starts. I mean, we saw a good start yesterday from Brandon White, but he's a guy who I think is going to be destined for the bullpen. But there's not mm-hmm. really, I, there's nothing, Chris. I, I'm serious. This is, it, it is critical, critically paper thin. Like it's that toilet paper. Thin that you get at the office when you go to the office. You have to use the toilet paper at the office. That's how bad the pitching, how thin the pitching is in the system right now. Yeah, I mean, it immediately came to mind for me was Joey Wentz because you know on prospect list yeah. he's going to be the guy who's who's going to be the next. But he's coming back from Tommy John. We don't know. He's not right. been pitching ter- terribly well in Lakeland. You got Alex Fiedo who's injured, but so we don't know if he's going to come back. And he wasn't. You know, I didn't think much of his starting possibilities uh, when he was healthy. Uh, yeah, it's it is slim pickings. I, I think you know we we like Montero's uh, stuff, but he kind of projects more as a reliever, just like Carlos Guzman, just like and Elvin Rodriguez. It's like a it's like a forty five fastball with like a forty breaking ball and a forty changeup. It's like ah, uh, you know, and and then yeah, I mean you're you're talking about like. Is it Logan Shore? Is it Paul Richin? Is it Bo Brisky with, with his above average changeup? Like there really is, there's nobody else in the minors right now outside of outside of Wentz and possibly Fido that I could see being even like a number five starter. Uh, I think it's all relievers right now, and I think to Youp's point, yeah, if if they can get lighter or Jackson Job, then that's going to be the number one pitching prospect in the system. Oh. There's no question. If they use the third overall pick on a pitcher, that is the number one guy left in the system. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, saying no. if if they draft like a Michael McGreevy from Santa Barbara, 
or uh, Mikulski from uh, uh, Fordham. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think, also, even though it's the 32nd pick in the draft or whatever, that who the hell oh. better than that? A, a oh, absolutely. College pitcher. Yeah. That would be the guy. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right, Uber. I mean, it's, and again, it, it, right now, the t- I mean, we had a we had a listener here to talk about, they lost Franklin Perez. He's absolutely right. Wilkin Hernandez, who had, was looking pretty good. And then he had an increase in velocity. And all of a sudden, Chris and I were like, uh oh. Remember that? We're, we had that yeah. uh oh moment. And then we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, we found out he's on the injured list and then or out for the year. Yeah. So. And that's so, what, you know, <laughs> along those lines, I don't think we touched on it, but we, we, I tweeted out that in Matthew Boyd's last start, his velocity was up like two miles an hour. Yeah, it was. It's fastball. And, and he's in, he's going to be looking at that Dr. Neil Atrash or whatever, the guy who diagnosed Franklin Perez's. He's like the top arm shoulder guy. He's, he's looking, he's with him right now out in LA. So I'm bracing myself for some negative news there. Hopefully not. And they said Turnbull and Boyd were probably out until at least the all-star break. Yeah, hopefully we're, we're, not we're, ideal. Not hoping, we're not hoping for a Bram Van 3000 song, Drinking in L.A. <laughs> there you go. But, see, I, see I, I knew among this group, yeah, I knew among this group, if I made that reference, that you guys would get that reference. So, Oh, yeah, me and Deary, we live off Bram Van 3000. That's our, <laughs> that's our go-to. Pump it right into our veins. Do you, remember Bram, uh, do you remember Bram Van 3000? Was that 98? That does not sound familiar to me. I know Andre 3000. I know Deltron 3030. It's got a great intro. You would recognize the intro as soon as the intro. Yeah, I probably here. probably would. Yeah. I'll have to play it uh, when we get off there. But uh, Miguel Cabrera up here with uh, Candelario reaching on an infield single. By the way, so, though, Raj. Yeah, what's up? Spencer Turnbull, you guys just mentioned All-Star break, maybe not coming back till then. Everybody in the fantasy realm seems to be thinking he's coming back sooner than later. So is that really what you guys are expecting? Like all-star break, post-all-star break uh, return? Was AJ Hinch that said that today, right? Is that a- I, well, I read a story on the Freep today that, that he's down in Lakeland but hasn't begun throwing, and, and they're probably oh, expecting him to – yeah, I mean, the all-star break is what? It's it's three and a half weeks away. Three and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so – if he's not throwing now, yeah, I think that they'll probably just use those that extra time. And in in a season like this, where you're trying to manage everybody's innings, even if he's not seriously hurt, they're probably just being super careful. So that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I I didn't think it was a season ender once they said, "Oh, it's not major, major," but it's still a big enough deal where you're not just going to come back in two weeks. And I was trying to tell that to other people that I was talking to, but people said, "Oh, no, it'll be fine." And I feel I, like I, maybe it was too soon. And Kaiser three four three makes a good point, and I and I think that they should because ultimately I don't think they should trade Turnbull. I, I'm I'm with you on that, Chris. No, I love Turnbull. Yeah, <laughs> trade Boyd, if you can. Yeah, trade Boyd. Yeah, trade Boyd. Trade you know trade. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. been smoked in the head. Show I, show I, <laughs> by the way, just want to want to point out that Otani has not been terribly sharp today. I, oh, he's all uh, over the place. He's, he's hung up, hung a bunch of breaking balls. His, his splitter isn't there. His fastball's only 97, 98. Um, so that was a splitter. Oh, that was just almost. Yeah, he split his helmet. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Uh oh. What's going on there with. Oh, we got blue screen. His Govier's audio problems. Oh, there he is. Uh, he froze in mid-screen there. He froze oh. up, yeah. He's doing some total recall stuff. He's playing Quop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but I, like I said, I think that they don't trade Turnbull. I think train Boy trade if they have to. And I think they will. I mean, again, there's, there's two schools of thought whether oh. they're going to or not. 
but at this point they they should because based off the fact that they may be able to get something for that and so well, they're never going to tra- they're, they're not trading Boyd this year that's just a done deal if you see nope. Dr. Elatrosh right now forget it i mean who's going to put if they put him on the market what are they going to get for him i mean they're going to get yeah. well i'm baseball. saying if he's if he's healthy trade him if he's not then yeah you're right they're 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 mm-hmm. kind of kind of screwed and even though the rotation going forward you're going to look at they they're going to have to force they might have to make a small move and look at maybe another minor league free agent arm, which I, again, I, I, I don't, may not, you guys can explain these DFA rules for me better because I currently get yelled at about it on Twitter. So um, oh, I missed uh, that. Yeah. Rogelio uh, Armenteos is a, yeah. minor, he was for assignment. The Tigers need arms. I mean, I don't know if they could stop okay. in Toledo or Erie, but they, they have to do something because it, you, you're not going to tell me if, if Boyd's out for the, for a long period of time, if he's out for the rest of the year. You're gonna keep Manning in the rotation, and then just force them out every five days. It's just gonna get ugly. No, yeah. No question. They, they, Alavila got to put the GM hat on, and <laughs> it'll be the he, first time he'd be wearing it. You exactly right. Uh, He's yeah, right now, actually. Good Somebody GM. Told us- put this. A GM worth his or her salt can go out and find somebody who can put up a four twenty-five ERA for fifty innings if they put their mind to it and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, the, mm-hmm. you know, a good GM gets you through the season uh, when injuries hit and it can be done. I mean, it's been done numerous times. It's not rocket science. So uh, whether it, they might have to spend a little bit of Illich's cash and just a little, by the way, we're talking like a hundred grand or something, or they might have to make some minor league trades and, and create something, uh, but it should be doable. Uh, and uh, Armentero, so you mentioned, you know, whatever, that's fine. I mean, the Tigers are going to finish in third or fourth place anyway. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but they just need to get through the season and make sure that they control the innings on their valuable properties. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if we might see kind of some your trash for my trash trades. Yeah. You know, it, like uh, not, to, not to denigrate Victor Reyes or something like that, but maybe a team needs an outfielder and they have, uh, a, you know, a fifth starter who's – Got a six ERA in Toledo or something like that, or in AAA, not in Toledo. Um, but yeah. pitching, pitching is so scarce across baseball right now. Everybody's hurt that I, I wonder if if we will even see something like that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean something that just just something to plug the dam, like you know, put your thumb in the dam and make sure it doesn't flood out as much. As much as I'm using that weird analogy, but I mean, final thoughts. I mean, theory. In terms of, you know, I know you've watched a lot of uh, Tigers baseball, but. It, what do you do when you look at you look down there? You you're having Melgel the the Pozo and Willie Peralta there. It's 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 scarce right now that there's nothing really. Like I said toilet paper thin. I mean, but there is there any 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 arms out there? Anything like I know Rick Rick Purcell is out there, but he is not coming. Rick Porcello is not coming to Detroit. Okay, I'm just tell you that right now. Rick Porcello is not coming to Detroit. Maybe Homer Bailey. I wouldn't mind taking mine and flyer and Homer Bailey. But Rick Porcello is not coming to Detroit. You're right. I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys stated it well. You know, you can't have Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal pitch 180 innings. You need to go find some arms that are just going to eat up innings. I mean, we talked about it at the start of this pod tonight, start of the stream on how the Tigers used like 12 pitchers the other day. They're going to get into some real trouble when we get into August if they don't go ahead and make some type of pickups or small moves to bring in guys that can give you 40, 50 innings. Or else they're going to be in real, real trouble come late August 
because you're not going to be able to keep pitching Mize and Scooble and Matt Manning. These guys need to limit their innings, and they are the future of this squad. And, I, I mean, I don't see the Tigers making any impactful moves at all. I'd be shocked if they got anything for a Robbie Grossman or a Jonathan Scope. I wouldn't even be surprised if, if Avila can't even pull the trigger and make a deal. But, I mean, sure, I like the my trash for your trash. Uh, we'll, we'll take some trash pitching just to get us through this season and then hopefully, you know, be able to make some signings in the offseason. The problem is with the offseason and the Armageddon that Govier talked about us hitting, I think that's going to prevent a lot of teams from making some signings because of this impending doom that is upon us. I love trash. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying right before you got back on. Their Tigers are not signing Rick Porcello. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Man, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry I disappeared, guys. Uh, the old it's, weird uh, thing happened to me. I don't think they have Cole Hamels either. <laughs> no. The, the, I'm no. not trying to be a doubter, but the Tigers are not signing Rick Porcello. They're not signing him. I have to, I, again, I have to get in the throw in your, and, you, know, you have to throw in your deep, your uh, Alan Almond uh, voice or whatever. Listen, yeah, pillow talk. Uh, Yes, pillow talk here with Castillo. Let me let you know right now that the uh, Tigers are not signing. Rick, Rick Porcello. Porcello has a duh face. One hundred point three WNIC. So after look at that. Oh, right. So you know what? Not to interrupt, but I was just looking. I was like, you know, Manning's done pretty well here, and I'm looking at. I, I just was on Savant, and he's got. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Nice play. Six, uh, seven balls have been uh, hit. Oh, eight, nine. Okay, nine have been hit with an expected batting average of 300 or more. And wow. three, three are hits. Six have been outs. Does so, he have any strikeouts? He has one. He has one. He, he, he caught Upton looking. He's, yeah, nothing is – Brown is right, man. And I'm really having a moment here where I'm thinking – Maybe I was off base. This is even though he's not doing that bad. I am not liking what I'm seeing at all. And everything that Chris Brown has said on the show, in case of those of you that missed it and you're just joining us now, listen to Chris Brown. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to these pitchers, these hitters when they're coming up through the minors. That's really prescient stuff, man. I'm I'm paranoid now. I'm really paranoid. What am I I top liver here, Michael? (laughs) Well, no, that's what I'm saying. This is this is no. You're more of a uh, filet mignon. no, I mean, what about pate? That's chopped liver, right? It's pretty good. Yeah, um, sounds, sounds way no, sounds that's what I'm saying. This is this is not something that I've come up with on my own. You know, this is from from hanging out with uh, analysts. It's like, just the like, points you're making. You, yeah, get, like, you said this earlier in the show. You know what you're talking about. Thanks to the people that do the work next to you and along Raj, with you in concert. So Raj and Chip and Jake are really really good at this, and and we we talk about it, and I'm there for it. Fortunately, I'm in the room where it happens, if you will. And, Raj, uh, Chip, Jake, Raj, Chip, Jake. <laughs> Shout out to Jake Bose, who uh, we, we, we traveled with him last week extensively. And it was, yeah, you were uh, a bender, man. You were all yeah, over we the place. To... I saw your picture everywhere. The videos were funny. That was great yeah. stuff. Yeah, with my hair all curled out right there. So, yeah, we went to Toledo on Wednesday. Then Thursday, we head out to Erie. Then Friday, went to West Michigan. Then we backed out Saturday, Toledo. And then Sunday, Chip and I and, and Jake went to the – we went to uh, – Tigers game. game, Tigers game, and then yep. we were trying to find a Starbucks on was it Saturday? We were trying to find a Starbucks. No, Friday we were trying to find a Starbucks in West Michigan. Now it's funny because two of them were closed because of lack of supplies. So yeah, we we're on a quest for cold brew. Is I now oh. am, I used to be a Tim Hortons person. Now I'm like, okay, I get I get Starbucks now. I get why people get all hyped oh, up on it. You got to go to shame. mom and pop coffee shops. Oh, uh, there you go. Sing it. You, the, the yeah, problem sing is it. You, 
You can go to Sonic. There's none around here. Uber, trust me. I, I love to go to oh, nice. nice. There's Manning. That's one thing I'll, I'll say, and I think I said it in our private chat once before. If Manning stays in the big leagues, I think he'll win a gold glove one day. He is he is a true defender yeah, on the mound. Yeah. 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 He's a big you gotta, what is his wingspan? It's gotta be over I mean it's gotta be less than seven, but close to it, it looks like. Like six yeah, seven. Could, like, yeah. Well, look at that. Four basketball. innings, two earned runs. That's exactly what uh, you've talked about at the start. You'd be pleased with and four innings. They two were bumping yeah. his, his, his control has his control has been nice. Yep. He's, he he yes. does he has had some swing and misses, just not on you know two strike counts. But uh, I'm okay with the start so far. Except he he and Otani both have four swings and misses tonight. So, like I said, Otani hasn't been terribly sharp either. I think the Tigers are just not. Not hitting his mistakes, unfortunately. Key point, too, guys. This is an important point. I'm actually going to slow my roll and my freak out I just had. Angels are one of the toughest teams to strike out in all of baseball. So that's an yeah. important note. Mm-hmm. No that's question. No, I did not know that. That's a good one. That's a good, that's a good point to have bringing there. So before we get out of here, yeah, I just wanted to thank everybody for checking us out live on Twitter. Our YouTube thing got cut down. But if you check us out on Facebook or Twitter, we would appreciate it. There'll be a edited version, not too much of editing, a version on the podcast tomorrow. Don't censor me. Oh, <laughs> nothing like that, but just like, you know, the little odds and ends because people don't have the visual of it. But the, if I can yeah. make a video of it, I will put it on YouTube. Hopefully they don't take it down. I, unfortunately, this video won't be going up on YouTube. It's okay. Less than less. Yeah. So you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, our media. Check out the last episode of the Tiger Miley Report where Chris and I went over what we saw last week. And all the great content over at MotorCityBangles.com. The three things you need to know about Man Manning start, which that was done by Jake. And then I did a piece on Jacob Robinson, Jacob Robinson because the Maple Hammer, everyone's asking about when the Maple Hammer is going to come to Detroit. Uh, people, it's like the prospect thing. And again, there's some things there. You might, like he, he has the speed. We we saw that scout talk about that a little bit, Chris, when we were down in Toledo. But they, you know, we'll see what happens. And he had, he had another good game this evening as well as Toledo was winning. Or they, they lost, right, Chris? Toledo did lose, I think, 8-2. to two. Wow. Okay. So that's uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, Trinston McKenty got off to a bad first inning, and then I guess he settled down after that. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I was watching kind of Erie and, uh, and Toledo simultaneously, and they were the same sort of thing. Elvin Rodriguez gave up four runs in the first, couldn't get out of the inning. And it looked like Tristan McKenzie was going to do that too, but he, you know, he gave up a homer to lead off the game, then three straight walks, then he struck out the next three batters. Yeah. Where we're Elvin, uh, just he he got he struck out the first batter, but it was a, a wild pitch, and then that completely unraveled for him after that. Gave up two home runs, and and that was it. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a rough night on the farm. Looks like they went uh, 0 for five. Yeah, there yeah. was a doubleheader in Lakeland, and they lost to both of them. And high so. in, in West Michigan, by the way, there's we can't even watch those games. Not, yeah, for for whatever reason, Lake County is I think the only team in the Midwest or former Midwest League nice. who doesn't. Uh, Look at Akil Badu out there. Nice in and out single at swing. He's doing all the damage. He can't he can't throw, but he can run, he can hit, he's got power. And he Brian can be Barry Bonds. <laughs> and uh if you want to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash tigers SRD, all that money goes back into the production of the show, goes on give you all those minor league coverage. I mean, you also we have a donate button on our podcast page too. So if you want to donate a few bucks, that's cool too. But we appreciate everybody who has donated. We have, again, a really good review last week from Kyle. Our old friend of the show, Kyle, gave us a nice, fantastic review. Thank you. And if you want to give us a review, go to Apple Podcasts and review us there and whatever you want to subscribe. And, and gentlemen, before we get out of here, what do you guys want to plug for your next uh, endeavor? 
Uh, Chris Deary is doing a review, his own live one-off, one-man show. It's going to be in Vegas this summer. Don't miss it. Chris Deary live at the Flamingo. Nice. You're on a special one tonight, Mike. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, We are the Palazzo Podcast. I'm Christopher Deary. He's Michael Govier. Two L's, two Z's. You can follow our podcast. More importantly, though... These guys do really good work, and if you know it because you've been here, then I don't need to tell you what you already know. But they put in a lot of hours, and they're genuine dudes. And there's a Detroit connection here. We're all Michiganders that we connect with each other. But there's actually a bond related to the fact that there's honesty, integrity, humor all mixed into this stuff. So I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not connecting with this show for your Tigers info it's the place to be and i try to push it whenever i can in fact i should push it more often but motor city bengals and what you guys do tigers minor league reports great stuff please 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 keep on supporting these guys and if you like them then check out the plaza podcast two l's two z's also rotofanatic.com which is our presenting sponsor and i'm a part owner of the website if you like fantasy baseball stuff rotofanatic.com we got a lot of content every weekend we cover your week that was the week that will be all the injuries there's a lot of stuff that's available at rotofanatic.com and your song parodies are fantastic i yes. anybody, anybody uses anybody that uses the police like you did i know some people <laughs> out there are the younger the police the, you know the police are timeless right Come yeah on, the police right? are they are timeless they, they better be. you know, they better, yeah, Stuart Copeland does not get enough due as a drummer, at least in my opinion. Oh, now you're talking. I could talk. Uh, we could do a whole show about Stuart Copeland. And oh, yeah, you know what? vastly well, underrated. Say, you know what, Michael? At some point, you and I have to do a, a whole entire love fest to Stuart Copeland. You know, talk about him being a composer, too. I mean, he's such a yeah. badass composer. He did the... Uh, <laughs> Airborne. Yeah. Airborne? You ever seen Airborne? Yeah, Airborne, yeah. <laughs> it's a Classic. stupid movie about rollerblading in the Classic. 90s. Oh, my God, oh. I just... I just referenced that yesterday. I just I just sent somebody a, a video of the trailer of that yesterday, and then I sent him the admittedly kind of awesome race scene at the end. Like, yeah. oh, it's mo- classic. That movie. Yeah, that movie sucks, but at the end, I'm I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I, I love I love a good like it's ski school. I don't know if you ever saw ski school. Oh, that was yeah. like, oh, of course. Yeah. Show, all, Showtime yeah, classic from classic. 1991. Yeah, the, yeah, the you, airborne had the air. They had the rollerblade placement perfectly on the end of the yeah. place. You know, Seth Green is this. The Jack only movie that was ever Jack, Jack Black, yep. Yeah, Jack Black. Is this the only movie that was ever centralized in Cincinnati? Because I don't I remember swear. Movie. outside of WKRP in Cincinnati, I can't think of a pop culture reference more stronger than any movie than Airborne. Airborne. Completely agree. I lived in Cincinnati and I always wondered that. There's not enough movies based in Cincinnati. Yeah, no, it, I'm telling you this right now. It is one of those movies that was always on HBO, it was always on uh it was always on. It was always on every time I was yeah. it, it, like, why is this movie always on? Just like Howard the and, Duck was back in the yeah, oh, Howard God. the Duck was. Oh yeah, yeah. And well, I forgot. I, you know, it's funny. I forgot that. Um, what's this, I forgot that Jack Black's in that movie. Well, you know, I was looking up the the lead of that movie. You know, that handsome fella. Yeah, this, the, the, I was like, what happened to him? And I look, he did like five things. He he was in soap operas after that, and then quit in like 1997, and then like he got a he got a DUI in like 2017. <laughs> That's not funny. Look at that! Look at that crew. That's the postscript on that dude's career. Yeah, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. The no, the 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 Hispanic dude that somehow that guy. He's been that. He was in a bunch of movies. Was he in Mighty Ducks? Was he younger then, or I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. No, and look how skinny Jack Black is though. What year was it? Ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. Ninety three. Ninety three. 
You guys are right, though. That closing race scene is actually like Devil's really back done. Very yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's sliding under semi trucks and doing sideways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like well shot. He's yeah. And... <laughs> I don't like too much about that movie. Mike, you got to do it on. Does it hold up? Yeah, no, the IHL team, the Cincinnati Cyclones. You do you remember this movie at all? Not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. Yeah, if you weren't if you weren't extreme in the early '90s, then you probably didn't yeah, see it. Yeah. You know, if you weren't wearing Neon Green, two with the, the world's palette. only rock and roll to play movie. I'm weird. <laughs> I'm still the most popular guy. The, the yeah. Mitchell Mitchell becomes the most popular guy on earth once he took to the sky. Wow. Airborne. Uh, All right, this podcast is getting off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. It is, yeah. but that was a sweet ending. I got it. Yeah, say. that was a sweet ending, and then we'll, we'll leave you with that. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, have a good week, everybody.